Welcome back, everybody, to the ENC podcast. Thursdays with Mo and Joe. I got it right. I'm here with Mo. Hey, everyone. What's up? And I am Joe, but don't call me that. We also have our friend Bubba joining us today, our buddy Bubba. Dang, what up, everybody? Glad to be here today. We're so glad we could have you. Moesha, what's the word of the day? Um, I think it's popcorn. Is popcorn? that right? Yeah. Wow, that's an interesting word of the day. I wonder who picked it. They did such a good job. I actually don't know who picked it, so... I picked it. Uh, Bubba picked it. Sorry, guys. Um, I'm eating lunch right now, so if you hear like a bunch of random crunches of carrots... It's just Bubba the reindeer? It's just me eating lunch, okay? <laughs> Your entire lunch is just carrots? Huh? Your entire lunch is just carrots? Look, I was sitting in my room, and I was like... I got back. It was like noon, and we had to be here at 1. I had a full hour. So naturally, so you naturally, just I sat there and didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. The next thing I know, mm. it's twelve fifty-five, and I gotta go. Like, oh snap! Open my fridge, see what's there. Grab a bag of carrots. There's a bag of carrots. So I grabbed a bag of carrots, and here we are. Lovely. Did you yeah. think about dumping a bottle of ranch in there, just making it a fun I bag? Had, I had That's so gross. And I was like, <laughs> you know, what if? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I could. You heard of walking tacos? <laughs> <laughs> so Bubba. What you been up to? You know, living the quarantine lifestyle. Uh, wake up when I wake up, go to bed when I go to bed. And I found it's so hard to reverse that schedule whenever mm-hmm. you go to bed late and wake up late. Like, I can go to bed at 4 mm-hmm. and have to wake up at 9 for a meeting. But no matter how hard I try, I can't go to bed any earlier <laughs> than 4. Like I'm it's so hard. super tired, but... Can't fall asleep before four. My body's stuck in that motion. It's oh. like becoming nocturnal almost. Yeah. And it's a little scary. Yeah. Like I, I get irritated every day when I wake up and it's noon or something like that. Or when I am laying in bed, can't sleep and it's like 3.30 or 4 o'clock. Like I'm getting, I'm getting mad. I'm getting irritated because, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I feel like. You know, maybe we shouldn't be doing that at this point in my life. Yeah, but, <laughs> but there's nothing like else. What yes, else I'm do? 21. Yes, I should be going to bed before four. But why should I right now? You know, yeah. other than the fact that, you know, what's the point? What am I waking up for? When you have to, when it's time, like when all of this ends and you have to adjust, it's going to be really crappy. It's going to be the worst. Yeah, it's going to suck so bad. So that's why you should eight. try to do it now. Well. But. But, I mean, it's not changing until at least May 4th, so. That's May, the, May the 4th be with you. In two weeks. But, Was you know. I think so. What's the date? I don't know. The 16th. I'm just start loading up on the melatonin before then. That's the thing. I tried to go to sleep last night without melatonin. It didn't work. I take that every night, apparently. Really? Yeah. Like, I did never Even used to. Even at 4? Well, I never used to, but then I was, like, staying up, like, sleeping late. And, like, the beginning of quarantine, I was stuck in this, like, funk, you know. I think everybody was probably there. Definitely. Where I, I'm still there. I couldn't. Like, I'm, I've am i come out of it some. Like, not entirely, but I've come out of it some. And so I'm, like, laying there just wide awake. So I'm taking melatonin at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> trying just to go to sleep just to figure out something. Totally. And then I'm sleeping till noon. <laughs> but then, then I got so used to it that then I struggled to go to sleep without it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's weird because you like could develop a dependency on melatonin, but you can also develop a resistance. So, like, 
at the same time, the same amount of melatonin isn't doing the trick for you. But if you don't get at least that amount of melatonin, like you're dependent on it, you just can't sleep. So sounds like you know a lot about this. Yeah. Well, Whack. I, you know, have a lot of insomnia. So a lot of it. Not the cookies, folks. <laughs> Though I wish. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we're going to intro our next guest. We got um, the main man, DJ Connell, in the studio today. So we're excited about that. Here we go. So here we have Dr. Connell, Jack, president, all the terms you have, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, can I call you Jack? Jack? Jack works just fine. All right, Jack is perfect. All right, so um, how have things been? How are how you holding up? Good. I mean, like everybody, kind of adjusting to this uh crazy world that we're living in right now it's uh is your family home with you too yeah my wife is home she's a school teacher so she's home and our dog alaska the cockapoo is home so it's the it's the three of us i shouldn't be including the dog in the same category right it's the two of us plus the dog right always including the dog so yeah it's good i mean it has it has upsides you know to have extended time just the three of us but I miss students. I miss people. I miss my extended family, of course. It was, you know, just Easter weekend and everything within me, of course, wanted to go home, go to Rochester, New York, where my parents are and where Wendy's parents are and be with them. And we just couldn't do it. So Mm. we're doing fine. So is that where you're originally from, New York? Yeah. Yeah. Upstate New York, Rochester. Yep. So I've been to Rochester a few times. Have you? Yeah, I have. Do you like it? I love it, especially the garbage plates. Can you talk about that a little oh, bit? Oh, can I talk about garbage yeah. plates, man? I'm uniquely qualified to talk about garbage plates. What <laughs> took you to Rochester, New York, though? Uh, my friend lives there. So I would go visit her on holidays and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Well, a garbage plate, for those who don't know, is a unique Rochester food. Mm-hmm. Oh. Of course, I'm. Uh, I became a... I shouldn't say this on a podcast. I became a vegetarian about 10 years ago, so I don't eat Ooh. garbage plates anymore. <laughs> Maybe it was five years ago. They do have vegetarian garbage plates. But they do. Yeah, they do. Emily Ludwig is from They Rochester do. They aren't quite as good, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they started at a place called Nick Tahoe's or Tahoe's, depending on what part of town you're from. And it's, uh, well, you all, you know what they are. I don't. But maybe our listeners don't. I, I don't know. I have no clue. There are some variations, but basically it's called a garbage plate because it's a bunch of food items that you would not typically imagine go together. So okay. it's like a scoop of, depending on the place, a scoop of macaroni salad, a scoop of potato salad, a scoop of baked beans, some French fries, and then a meat item. Just all thrown on, in there. All thrown what? in together. <laughs> and the, the meat item is usually either hamburgers or... Hot dogs, but in Rochester, there are two kinds of hot dogs, red hot dogs and white hot dogs. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, if you're in Rochester, you want to have a white hot dog. And that the, mm. the meat goes on top of all of that. And then there's usually some kind of good, really sauce, spicy sauce that gets slathered all over the top of it. Mm. And it is, it, is a, it. <laughs> it is a culinary <laughs> delight. I mean, it's a cardiac disaster. Yeah. But yeah. It's a culinary. So it definitely looks so like wine. You've had them? I have, Like at yeah. restaurants? Yep. Because people make them too. I've had them at restaurants every time I go there. Yeah, super so. cool. So do you call it Nick Tahoe's or Nick Tahoe's? I call it Nick Tahoe's. That's that's the only way I've heard it called. So Yeah, I've had, yeah. I haven't heard it called Tahoe's. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't the first place maybe, I had one, though. Maybe I was just misled by somebody who said it's really... <laughs> the first garbage plate I had was at um, Henrietta Hotz. Is that a place in That's Rochester? Place. That was That's the first place. place I had it from. I didn't know that Nick Tahoe's was where it began. 
I thought. That's my understanding. Yep. That's what I was told. Bill Gray's wow. has them. Yeah. There are a lot of places around that have them. So yeah. you've so, but you've never had. Them. I've never had them. Does no. it sound good? It does sound. I mean, like I don't really care for hot dogs, but the hamburger, the hamburger one sounds like hamburger it would, options a valid yeah. option. The first one I ever had had chicken tenders. So you can chicken get, tenders. Yeah, you no, can, that's yeah. now we're <laughs> I've never done that. That's yeah. that somehow seems like a violation. That sounds, <laughs> yeah, does. that sounds even See, worse. I didn't have anybody too there to, I was just driving to Canada and I stopped. We stopped there. We didn't have anybody to tell us that we couldn't do chicken tenders <laughs> you know yeah, yeah they didn't have anybody tell us that we had to do hamburgers but the next two i had were hamburgers so okay what kind do you like moesha uh hamburgers i think that's the only type i've had okay hamburgers yeah right. we had them at this waterfall place in the falls i think it's called in rochester i'm i'm probably getting it wrong we was can... it a dinosaur grill dinosaur grill's a restaurant on the river in Rochester, that you can see the falls. Maybe. And they do have garbage plates there. Maybe. It's more of a, it's more of a uh, false barbecue place, but I think there's a garbage plate option. Maybe. I Wait, don't remember the name. Moesha, what was that place that we went to eat at <laughs> I was thinking in Rochester that. that claimed that they had the best chicken wings in the world? Or the chicken tenders in the world? The best chicken tenders in yeah. the world, yeah. Oh, they called them fingers, I think. The best chicken fingers in the world. They had like a turtle as their mascot. Or like a frog. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but we couldn't get over the fact that their menu said uh, the best wing or best chicken tenders in the world. Uh, but then it said like non-marinated chicken tenders. And we were like, how can you claim to be the best? With no well, seasoning. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have no seasoning at all. The best totally bland chicken tenders. They like put tenders. in that disclaimer though. They were yeah. like, yeah, but they're not any sort of season on them. Just <laughs> like the, right. the best at zero. They chicken didn't even try to hide it too. It was like just, just there. Big <laughs> bold letters on the menu. Non-marinated. Non-marinated. <laughs> if you like chicken tenders with no flavor, were your place. Yeah. I mean, Bubba tried them. Were they good? They were okay. There was like a ton of flavor in the in like the breading and then it was like apparently about the sauce that you dipped it in not about the chicken itself oh, so that's why know. there's no marinade on it yeah but, it's about where you put it but it was i was it was so confusing like how, <laughs> how, how can you claim to be the best if you yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna call fraud i'm gonna call fraud for sure <laughs> i can't remember what the place was called it was like a sports bar yeah um, kind of like a buffalo wild wings feel mm. sounds not like sure. it had like a turtle mascot. I don't know what it was called. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting we would talk about garbage plates. Yeah, it? it's so funny. It's Us either. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been to Rochester? I've never been to Rochester. I've been to um, Oswego. Is that near Rochester? Oswego. Yeah, it's, it's like two well, hours. Well, there's Oswego, which is a couple hours away. And then there's Oswego, which is... Bubba, where'd I go? <laughs> you went to Oigo. Yeah. 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 That was like two hours from Rochester, I think, right? Is okay. Yeah. Give or take. Two or three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just went for Summerman. That was actually, I had been to oh, yeah, the- um, Saranac, and I think that was like one of the only other places in upstate New York that I've been to was Oigo and Saranac Lake. Or Darien Lake. I went to Darien Lake, too. <laughs> but that's both, it. Those are both places. Yeah. <laughs> Saranac Lake and Darien. They're very different I guess from each so. other. I don't know. They, they were both places that I went with my youth group when I was in youth group back then. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, Moesha. You're you're trying to ask me questions, and I uh, asked the question. Oh, no, you're <laughs> fine. <laughs> sorry. You're totally uh, fine. Uh, oh, before I ask my question, I have been to the Grand Canyon of the East, I think. Oh, Letchworth State Park. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, what is this? Letchworth State Park, which is known as... You got as, it. 
Well, no, go ahead, Moisha. Oh, I have. I've been there once. You probably know more about it than I do. I've been there probably 200 times in my (laughs) life because I went to Houghton College and worked at Houghton College and Letchworth State Park, known as the Grand Canyon of the East, although there, it's a beautiful place, but there's no comparison. No to comparison. There. I yeah, didn't think no. so. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a nice... It's beautiful. It's a nice ravine. It's a beautiful yeah. thing, but it's not quite, yeah, not quite in the same league, but not quite it's only about 15 Canyon. minutes from Houghton College. So yeah, I went there a lot. It was the place to go hang out. Like here we go to the beach mm-hmm. at Houghton. We go to Letchworth gotta, State Park. That's pretty so, cool. So yeah, one of my first... I think my second date with my wife was at Letchworth State uh-huh. Park, and that's all we're going to say about that. Okay. <laughs> no follow-up questions <laughs> So would you say it's more of like a great canyon? Not quite grand. Not quite grand. <laughs> I'd say it's a pretty good canyon. It's an okay <laughs> canyon. It's a canyon. It's a canyon. canyon. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. So okay. it, is, it is beautiful. I mean, the stupidest thing I ever did in college I did at Letchworth State Park. Do you want to hear? Is like, is that appropriate? Yeah, oh, we would story, love that. We would <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is, like, my mother isn't going to hear this, right? So. Yeah, it's up to you. If you deem it appropriate to tell, then <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate to tell. Well, I mean, Letchworth, you're calling the shots here. Well, no, I'm not. I'm just a guest. <laughs> I'm just a guest. There's a railroad trestle that goes over the canyon okay. at Letchworth State Park, and you probably saw this, yes. Moesha. And it's active. Trains go across it. And uh, one night... Letchworth closes at like 10 o'clock at night or something. I don't know. Some college buddies of, of mine and I decided that we wanted to go sledding at Letchworth State Park in the middle of the night. So we sort of climbed over the fence. I'm going to get arrested for this. This is probably a violation of federal law or something. Climbed over the fence or snuck into the park. Did some sledding. We got some trays from the cafeteria at the college and went sledding that's down. Awesome. Wow. That's why, that's why and, ENC doesn't have trays anymore. Well, right. <laughs> and then we were looking at the trestle and thought, boy, it'd be really cool to go out on the trestle in the middle of the night and just see what it's like out there. This was not smart because it's, high, I don't know, it's high. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's sure. probably two, three, four, five hundred feet oh, from wow. the trestle. Oh, to. Wow. The, I mean, it is a pretty big canyon. Yeah. So we go out there. Pitch dark, no cell phones, no, you know, no lights. Just walk out there kind of holding as tightly as what we can. What are the stakes the, here? If a train comes, are well, you for sure Yeah, screwed? the stakes, we, we didn't really think about that. <laughs> okay, all right. Because <laughs> it's the middle of the night and trains aren't going to come. But yeah. we're out there in the middle of the trestle and you now know where the story is going to okay. go. Of course, a train does come. Did I come. just ruin the story? I'm yeah, sorry. no, no, no. It's Because it's not the stupidest thing I did in my whole life until the train actually comes. But we see the, we see the headlight of the train coming down at the end of the, uh, you know, at the end, at oh the end of the trestle. And we have to make a decision in that moment. Like, are we going to run and try to <laughs> run the other way or try to beat the train off the trestle? Or do we just hold on for dear life? And, um, Decided we couldn't run because it was dark and we couldn't see our footing. And there was, you know, it wasn't like ground. a road. It was a bridge right, with right. brakes and things like that. So right. we just hung on, held on to the railing and the train came whipping by. It did slow down. So, did so I say whipping by. But we could have, it felt like we could have reached out and touched that train. Oh I mean, gosh. we were within, probably you to me, 
Wow. From the we're train. S- we're six feet apart in case you guys were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> the, yes. Good call. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Maybe um, a little closer than that, but it was a little bit frightening. So were you, but there was like a rail there? There was a rail. And you were hanging on, we're holding hold, on to the rail? Like holding Not on hanging to the rail. off of it. Yeah, Not the, hanging That's off what I'm imagining. You hang yeah. off oh, yeah, so of the We were on the correct side. We were on the inner side of the railing. Okay. But the trestle was shaking. I mean, this is a freight train. It's vibrating. So we were holding onto the railing. To hoping not to get shaken off. Hoping not to get shaken off. Fall 500 feet. So not, my, not my greatest moment. No, it's Mom, a I'm great sorry. story. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty up there on great, yeah. <laughs> great, yeah, um, great moments. I was watching. <laughs> so, yes, that's the Grand Canyon of the East, Letchworth State Park. Thank you. I didn't expect that great yeah, a whole story. story. So. Yeah, you never real. know what you're going to get out of <laughs> So, um, we, we talked a little bit about garbage plates and food. Um, what's, what's been your favorite food? to get delivered during have you been doing that have you been doing any delivery we have not no you've just been making it yourself so what's your favorite thing to make with with your wife and, and your dog <laughs> well those would be two different <laughs> <laughs> wendy in alaska do of course, have different of course. different tastes in food you know we are not we're not big foodie people like mm-hmm. we don't go out to eat a lot okay we're just really pretty simple food types so i very happily eat whatever's put in front of me and we're just really low maintenance. Mm. So I don't even know. But you're vegetarian, what I would say. right? I'm a vegetarian. So has that been difficult? Has it been difficult to like keep the food around your house good? Because, you know, veg- veggies will tend to, no? Easy peasy. No, because, you know, like a bowl of cereal, you can eat that as a vegetarian That's too. True. So That's true. Ice cream yeah. fits with a Takis vegetarian diet. Takis are technically diet. vegan. Right. Are technically yeah. vegan. <laughs> All the ho-hos in the world, you know, you can eat as yeah. many as you want. Yeah. <laughs> There's no meat. (laughs) (laughs) So we're pretty simple. A lot of like frozen pizza and spaghetti Mm. and mac and cheese. And I might have to go vegetarian. Nothing nothing very fancy. Do you get any toppings on your frozen pizza or just cheese? Like I know you can't have cheese. Cheese or veggies, yeah. So is your wife also vegetarian? No, she's not. No, okay. Oh. Although she's becoming more and more so because of me. I mean, if she's going to cook something. Yeah, she doesn't want to cook two things. things and definitely. What about Alaska? He's pretty much into his dog. Food. He's <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty fair. much not that's a fair. vegetarian. Wait, so you're telling me that your dog he loves is crackers, not a vegetarian. <laughs> that's funny. Can dogs uh, be vegetarian? Is that a thing? I'm sure there's someone out there who feeds their dog strictly vegetarian food. Yeah, know. probably for know. the same reason. Is there so even any real meat in dog, dog food? Probably not real meat. <laughs> just like a pack of ramen sprinkled on horse meat, you know. <laughs> stuff I mean, it's back home, it's, yeah, it's horse, horse, and, yeah, something up gross, and stuff like that. Yeah, back home, we like cook actual meals for our dogs, so like we don't feed them dog food. We oh, like, really cook what like actual meals, like with seasoning, or like put all our leftovers together and give it to so them. So you, you marinate the dog, <laughs> yeah, <we laughs> so could sort of like a garbage plate so, for so dogs. Could, yeah, are you basically. saying your dog could beat up my dog? Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> they could for sure be <laughs> So you're cooking Whoa, stuff on the stove that's yep. for the dog. Yeah, we have like containers in our fridge, like labeled just like for <laughs> the dog's food. <laughs> that's really awesome. I'm feeling like I'm not a good dog owner. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it's just like a, maybe just like a Caribbean thing or whatever. But yeah. Mm. All right. Well, with I, that, I think we're going to wrap it up. We're going to kick it over to Lynn and Carrie. Right for the next uh, installment of the Exodus piece. Uh, thank you guys so much. We'll be back. 
Thanks, Moesha and Joey. Welcome back to the ENC podcast. This is Carrie Lewis, and I'm here today with Brandon Switchlinger. Yes. <laughs> and, and our special guest yes. friend. Hi, this is Tara Brooke Watkins. I'm Yay! So you guys today. We're so glad you're here. Thanks. We are just coming out of Easter weekend, so I'm wondering on a COVID-19 holiday, what did that look like for the two of you this past weekend? Anything special? Tara Brooke, what were you doing over Easter? Um, you know what? I got up early, which was special <laughs> so far for COVID-19. Okay. <laughs> right. You no, know, it is Easter. Maybe I should get up and like pretend like it's a special Sunday. Uh, I put my best sweatpants on, so nice. not the ones I had been wearing. Right. What was really exciting to me was to feel, I mean, I think every church right now is online, right? So you're all tuning in. And mm -hmm. uh, I think to just to still feel like you were a part of a community, even when you couldn't see people was a very different experience, right? Because I think Easter is so much about being seen a lot of the times mm -hmm. and like yeah. special things did you wear and who showed up and, you know, you just like, there's a different edge to Easter which I, I actually don't like a lot of the time. Interesting to feel like that edge was gone. You didn't, you weren't going to see how people dressed up. Mm -hmm. You weren't going to see who showed up. I could just see the numbers of people that were in the service. Like I could see, you know, 55 people are here now and 75 people are here now. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm with all these people and I don't know who they are, but I feel their presence. And that was just kind of exciting this year. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, I love that. Love that idea. I mean, I know you always help us think about the ways that we meet together that might be a performance. And, and it's Easter. I'm yeah, sure you think of it in that way. Performance of the year at church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was interesting as I was looking at people posting their Easter photos as families in their, you know, in their Sunday best or their Easter um, outfits. Yeah, we were also sitting here in our sweatpants mm -hmm. together. We were together, but we were casually dressed. But it honestly didn't, it didn't feel like I lost, I didn't, I didn't feel like I lost community. I am with six other people in our house in New Hampshire, and we had a really beautiful meal together. And really, I think maybe for one of the first times ever my kids helped me cook the easter dinner and i loved just seeing their interaction in the kitchen we had a lot of fun together and so that was kind of special for us what we, about you Mary? uh we actually did a fire pit like all day in our backyard so we had hot dogs cooked over the fire and s'mores and just awesome. trying to make it like a fun time um and we did an easter egg hunt for ezra and then what's funny, like during the last year, I've tried to go like mostly sugar and gluten free, but like COVID-19, just everything's out the window. So I ate like s'mores, Cadbury eggs. Those are like my weakness. I had like three of those. <laughs> yeah. I had cinnamon buns that EJ made because he, he cooks. So I don't cook at all. And I had a cinnamon bun, like I swear is like the size of my head basically. So all I did was uh -huh. eat sugar and gluten and I loved it. Wow. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good segue into what we want to talk about today as we return to the conversation of embracing exile. I know last week we looked at the story of Daniel a little bit, and um, so I just wanted to bring us back there. In the first chapter of Daniel, um, this book opens up with a story about eating. 
And I think it maybe has something to say to us today. So from the book that we've been using as a resource, Embracing Exile, Scott Daniels shares this. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar had invited Daniel and his three Judean friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, to prepare for leadership in the Babylonian Empire and to eat from the allotments served daily at the king's table. However, Daniel decides it's better for him to resist what the king of Babylon was offering him. So we want to read to you today from the first chapter of Daniel. I'm going to let one of my other friends do that with us today. Uh, in the third year of the reign of Jochiam, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jochiam king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. There he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put, and put in the treasure house of his God. Sorry, these he carried off. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show some favor and compassion to Daniel, but the, oh, I'm going to keep, sorry, I kept, kept reading. That's all. That's all I'm That's supposed okay. to read. That's all right. Daniel refused to defile himself that way. Perfect. It's better, but we'll stop there. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I think it's, we should, we should at least mention that for, for those of us who grew up in the church, we, we only remember the Babylonian names that were given to these men. And I think that's such an important piece of the conversation we're going to have now about culture, identity, and why does this scripture matter? Why does it, what does it have to say to us as we're looking at what we're living in through the lens of exile and through this biblical passage? Why does it matter? Do you guys have any thoughts about that? even from what you mentioned about the name change. So, I mean, your name is a, a part of your identity. It, it says part of your story. Like if you think about why your parents chose your name or what your name might mean uh, or what it's come to represent to other people, it's a piece of your identity. And this is a power of exercising control and authority over them to try to determine from before you were this person, but now you're going to be this person. Yeah, absolutely. And looking back now, I'm, I'm just grateful that even this book in the Bible is named Daniel and not Belteshazzar mm -hmm. and what that means to us as people who, you know, look back to even um, our Judean Christian roots, how much that means to us. Sorry, I don't know if I should go off on this tangent, but I also feel Good. like 
when I, when I read things like God had caused people to think differently, I'm like, oh, maybe God caused you to ask me to join you today and talk about the power of oppressors and name changing. Because I just read two days ago, the story of comfort women uh, in Japan's history, um, that Japanese men, soldiers during World War II kidnapped Korean women uh, to basically be sex slaves. But the first thing they did was give them Japanese names and changing their name was the first sign of power over them. Uh, and then forcing them to have to respond to Japanese language, which they were not skilled in. Um, and I think about this situation, right? The first thing they do is change their names. And Lynn, when you bring up the fact that we grew up knowing them by the names that they did not, they were not born with. Like when I first read this on my own as an adult, I was like, wait a minute. Why are we calling them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Like, we just know that in our rhythm, right? When we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, and it, I just wonder, like, why we've never gone out of our way to uh, like, correct that. Right. Yep. Um, we just kind of perpetuate that oppression. But anyway. Exactly. The way that, that that the power of that empire still influences us today. Right. Yeah. Thousands of years later. Yeah. yeah. So some of the other ways, uh, so it says here that um, they were trying to assimilate them into Babylonian culture through language, through literature, and, and through food. And so this decision that Daniel makes to not defile himself with the food of the king or the wine of the king, what, what, what would that have mattered? What does it matter what we eat, right? We don't, we don't think about um, the food that we eat as defiling to us. So Carrie, help us out. Why, why would they make that decision? In the Jewish tradition, they had really significant dietary laws that dictated what they could eat, what was considered clean and unclean. Um, but what's interesting here and what the king offers them, so the meat would have been considered unclean because it surely wasn't uh, obtained and cooked and stored in a kosher manner. So that makes sense. But even the vegetables were likely stored or, or prepared in a way that probably would have made them unclean, but those are okay for Daniel to eat. And then where you could think of perhaps they were sacrificed to the other gods of the Babylonians and that would make it unclean. But in that case, the vegetables would have been unclean too. So right. those aren't the reasons at the root why uh, he's pushing back on the food. Yeah, and I think this brings up the sort of question that I that I want to ask today is, what is it about our actions that are rooted in our convictions, our identities, the values that we hold? Because here we're just, we're reading about the actions of Daniel, but they're rooted in something deeper in what his convictions were. And so I think this is maybe the, the rich lesson for us today. Um, so I want to ask you guys the question, what are, what are some of your convictions, identities, values that maybe are being challenged during this, if we want to call it exile of COVID-19? What are some of those convictions, identities, values that are being challenged by this sort of new culture that we're living in? Well, I can start. I mean, when I first read this chapter, um, the thing that I was really struck by, um, is, is a little later in the chapter, uh, where, so, you know, the guard gives in and tests this, this experiment that Daniel asks, like, give me 10 days to eat, like what I, you know, the vegetables and 
water and just see, like, let me just see after 10 days if I look better. And so he does. And, um, what I, the, it's, uh, verse number 17 to these four young men. So Daniel and who we call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And what I was really struck by, um, and this is going to get around to answering your question, Lynn, um, is the fact that when, when Daniel and the others stood up for their convictions and stood by their convictions, God actually gives them new vision, right? Gives them new ways of seeing literature and, and things around them. Get, gives them new ways of interpreting dreams. And I was just thinking uh, yesterday, you know, people, the big question right now, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, we're all asked, how are you? And I think the answer for most people tends to be a little on the darker side or, or we're trying. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm okay. Like, and I don't want to like, play up that things are awful because they're not. And I'm wondering like, why, why am I okay? And I think part of it is I'm a really busy person. Um, when I think about the things I care about, I'm convicted by, I, I kind of tend to like pour myself into work around every single thing I care about, mm -hmm. which takes up all of my time. And when this started, I mean, I was worried, like, what am I, how, how am I going to survive if I'm not working towards everything I care about? Yes. And instead I'm okay. Right. You know, so first, first I have to recognize I'm okay. Secondly, you know, I'm getting to look at the beauty around me because things have slowed down. Uh, slowed down and I'm hanging out with my husband a lot more, which mm -hmm. I know he is loving. My cat looks at me differently, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like sometimes maybe this has given me an opportunity to recognize um, what my convictions need to be um, instead of, or, or maybe, you know, I was even thinking of like the, the fact that I think this was in Daniel's book, right? Now we can't be the servant of more than one master. And I'm just like, even hearing that differently now, right? Yeah. Um, it's not just about money or, or the bosses. It's like, I have been probably the servant of many masters because I, I, I care so much about so many causes um, that I can't actually do that. And God is showing me through this personal exile, uh, I'm okay. And, and getting new insight and seeing things differently. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to how I come out on the other end of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's part of the question too, is how is the culture kind of, how did it shape us before and yeah. what has switched right. now? So I think about like the, it was all about production. What can you produce? What can you get done? What can you fill in your schedule? Now, when you're looking at your schedule and there's like a quarter of what used to be there, right, right. maybe even right. less. Yeah. Like, where do you find meaning if it's not in that production anymore? Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, just like Daniel, who had a sense of fear around assimilating into that new culture, not that um, we were just talking about this prior to coming on. Sometimes we, 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 um, hold back from using the word fear because it has a negative connotation to it. But I think here it really is 
sometimes what we need is a sense of fear that we aren't being shaped and formed into something that we don't want to be and that maybe our being in exile now has helped us to see in what ways maybe we were doing that before and we were lacking a sense of fear. Maybe you want to call it reverence, awe, carefulness, but maybe we just say it out. It was, it was what we were lacking was fear of what we were being sucked into that, um, and somehow we lost our convictions. We lost our values and, and through that, maybe we even lost a little bit of ourselves, but being in exile now, um, it gives us an opportunity to eat a different diet, if you will, right? Um, to partake in some new things that help give us eyes to see, um, see what's most important and how I can reprioritize how I spend my time and just like food, right? You are what you eat. Uh, we can start, um, eating the things, if you want to say it that way, just ingesting the things that are most important to us. Yeah, if you look at Daniel, like to decide what he was eating, that was, seems like a silly small thing. Like he's still in Babylon. He's still learning their right. Akkadian and Aramaic and all like absorbing all their culture. But it was one way where he was like, you know what, kind of enough is enough. I'm going to find one area where I can take back some control control right uh, that yeah. will remind me again of who i am um, that will continue and encourage my friends of who they are too and that's for me been been something to think of like what are the things that i want to shape me and it could start with something small but to remind me of who i am and what my identity really is and it wasn't what i produced what i could get done um, the roles that i used to play it's something far deeper than that yeah I guess I want to leave us, maybe leave our listeners, our students, uh, faculty or staff, our ENC community members with the thought of maybe um, in exile during this exile season, um, what are some of your convictions, values, what are the things about your identity that either maybe you had lost prior to this moment or that now you could even be slipping into um, if, if the thing that we value is connectedness and relationships, it's really easy right now to just let all of those slide and just hide yourself away in your room. Um, but coming back to that question, what are those things that you value and how can those find their way back into the most important um, time and moments of your life? I was just going to flip that question as well, right? Mm -hmm. Not just what have you lost that you can retain? Um, but what, what can become a new for you in this time mm -hmm. that you could still hold on to once this is over? Right. Uh, because I think when I think of exile, um, we're in this kind of weird liminal space right now. We're not, we're, we're between two kind of time stamps. So we're nowhere. Right. Um, but, I, I, you know, exile is also an action. So if we can think of us have been, we've been exiled, what are we supposed to learn during this time? Not just how do we survive it, but what might we learn? Um, and so I just wonder too, if we can be thinking through what has God already been helping us see about ourselves in terms of values and convictions and how can we retain those when we come back 
and the world goes back to production, right? Absolutely. All right, Carrie, this is the moment we come to at the end of every <laughs> section and we don't know what little jingle or ditty we're going to do here. We're going to sign off. We have a creative person here. Maybe yes, she can Tara, any insights? What would be a good way to close to end our time together? Full of sugar as a song. I'm full of sugar. How perfect is this? <laughs> but like sometimes the work is hard to do, but taking that, see that's, and Lynn, you're the singer. So maybe you should like get right. it started. We'll follow. Just a spoonful of Mary and Lynn. The episode go down. <laughs> In the most delightful way. Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Tara Brooke Watkins, for joining us today. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. See ya. Hi, I'm Marcy Zaccardi. Hi, I'm Adriana Iglesias. And I'm Polly Gomes, and we will be reading poems that we have created. I don't think we can go back to normal. This has struck a chord so deep inside everyone, the vibrations of it hitting harder the further you go down the chain, or the more essential you get. And more importantly, I don't think we should. How many people died preventable deaths? How many people are still at risk? How many sick people are being denied the very thing they need? So many things that were to come are now no more, dissolved into muck and mire, but it is raining today, and at my feet I see tiny heaps of mud where earthworms have left them. Their work is never done, and it makes me hear my own heartbeat beating on in spite of me. Essentially, I miss Dave and Busters. <laughs> I think I miss sounds, laughter, people together. I'm thankful for my friends, the ones who are a call away. And I look forward to the day I can beat them all in air hockey again. The day I can sit down and eat 50 boneless wings till I'm sick again. And finally breathe air outside a 10 minute radius again. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> wow, thank you 311. That was so great. And thank you to Lynn and Carrie for sharing with us again. Yeah, and uh, now for the next segment, we're going to call somebody very close to our hearts. It's Jack Connell's mom. So, here we go. Think we're good on the volume. Hello. Hi, mom. How are you? Hi. I'm doing. I'm doing. Mom, have you? Before you say anything else, have you? Uh, have you been on a podcast before? No. Do you know? You know what a podcast is, right? Yeah, I mean, I know you all listen to them. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so we're, we're not on live right now, so you don't need to be nervous, but we are recording a podcast. I'm in a room with three uh, ENC students, and I just spent 15 minutes or so chatting with them, and they thought it might be fun to if I called up my mom and if they chatted <laughs> with you for a couple minutes. So are you willing to be interviewed? Well, interviewed, that's too formal. Just have a chat yeah. with a couple ENC students? Yeah, I guess I would be. Okay, and if, if they ask you something you don't want to answer or you get uncomfortable, whatever, just say, well, I'd rather not answer that. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> okay? 
Okay, okay. I'm going to stay in the room, but I'm going to back away and let them introduce themselves and take it away. Thanks, Mom. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Jack's mom. Uh, my name is Moesha, and I'm a senior at ENC, and I'm very excited to be talking with you right now. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Connell. I'm Joey. I'm also a senior at ENC, and uh, we're stoked to have you on. You know, okay, so uh, our first question for you is actually story time. That was a great idea. Um, we would love if you had a story about Jack that you could tell all the students of ENC. Oh, and so I guess one I would think of in college was his father grew a mustache when Jack was about six months old. And Jack was probably a junior in college when his father decided to shave off his mustache. And Jack came home for a weekend from college. And we told him right off the bat that something was different, that we would like him to see if he could figure out what it was. And he was there the whole weekend and looked, searched around the house and <laughs> just spent a lot of time thinking and investigating what's different, and he could not come up with a single thing. And finally, I think Sunday afternoon before he was going back to school, where we told him to look at his father and see if anything was different about his father. And uh, and he still didn't figure it out, and we oh, had to goodness. tell him. And he had, never seen, he had never seen his dad without a mustache until that weekend. And he never noticed. That's so funny. In his entire <laughs> life, he had never seen him without a mustache, and he couldn't even tell? Right, and he, it just didn't register with him. You know, he was used <laughs> to his dad, but not. he didn't think about it's something, something the awesome fact about that he no face. longer had him. And his dad has never had a mustache since, so he knew. Well, Mom, you're the story. You're the star of this show, so I'll just say I don't remember that story exactly that same way, but I'll let, okay. you, I'll let you tell it what, the way you want to tell it. <laughs> what do you remember? No, I, re I think I, I remember just as you said it, that you said something's different. The whole weekend, I didn't know what it was, but at Sunday dinner, you said, look at your dad. <laughs> And when I looked at my dad, that's when I noticed. Like I did. Okay. But anyway, you, the point the point stands me. is that yeah, I was totally <laughs> oblivious to the fact that my dad did. <laughs> but not maybe not uh, quite as oblivious <laughs> as she made it. No, that's a great story. That's awesome. <laughs> but you can you can edit it as however yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> So I have a question. Um, what was Jack's favorite food to eat growing up? Maybe during childhood or his teenage years? What was your favorite thing to cook for him? Oh, I think we ate a lot of spaghetti. Spaghetti. <laughs> he actually said he's been eating a lot of spaghetti during quarantine while we were recording earlier. So that's pretty funny. Never change. Some things never change. It's cheap, right, Mom? <laughs> Pardon? It's cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have a lot of money back then. <laughs> I've heard Jack say that too, and it's true. I think I've got I've got one more question. I don't know about Moesha, but um, what's one thing that you're particularly proud of Jack for doing in his lifetime? I think his <laughs> love 
She can't think of anything. Mom, it'd be awkward if you can't. It'd be a little awkward if you can't come up with one thing. (laughs) No, his love for people uh, when he was a pastor and as a teacher and everything that he's done, he he reaches out and he communicates and he shows a real concern for uh, the people that are around him, his family. You know, especially, but uh, it reaches to uh, in his work and his being with people. And then, of course, we're just proud of the accomplishments he's made in moving up uh, from being a pastor, an administrator, a teacher, and uh, now as a president. Uh, we're really proud of him. I think the students of VNC have noticed that love, too, so... We, For sure. we're, we're really happy that we've got Jack, so you did a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you for talking well, with us yeah, as well. Yeah, thanks for coming on the episode. Well, I'm glad to have the opportunity to share with you. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Mom. Have a great day. You're off the hook. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Bye, Mom. Love Bye. You. Love you. Love you, too. That was great to have her on, Moesha. What would you think? Awesome. I'm so happy we did that. Yeah, thanks so much, Jack. Um, oh, thank you. She's Jack, sweet. before she's you sweet. leave, though, um, if you had any advice to give the ENC students at all, it doesn't have to be anything serious. Any life advice, what would it be? Any life advice for this time right now? Or sure. For in Whatever general? you feel. Yeah, either one. Well, this, I, I won't say this because my, of what my mom just said, but you know, life is, felt, life is uh, fundamentally about, it's about loving people. I mean, it's about loving God and loving people of course um so i think i'm I'm trying to view this season as an opportunity to love this all sounds too noble but to love people in ways that maybe we normally can't just because some of the clutter of our lives has been removed so i would just encourage all enc students to love one another and love their families and love people who are in need and let's uh let's put on a clinic on loving one another in this really challenging time Amen. So, all right. Well, that's going to do good. it. Thanks so much, guys. We love you. Bye.